1: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. From The Cut and Gimlet
2: Media, this is The Cut on Tuesdays. I'm your host, Molly Fisher. I'm sorry. Those are two words that can sometimes seem impossible to say. Or else, on the other hand, they can come tumbling out too easily. You can say them so often that they stop meaning much of anything at all. But this feels like the perfect time of year to talk about saying sorry. An apology is almost like the inverse of a resolution. Instead of planning what you'll do right in the future, it's about facing what you did wrong in the past. A little while back... We asked our listeners to tell us what they had to apologize for. And the answer was a lot.
3: Hi, I hope this is clear. Hi, this is Amelia. Hi,
2: uh, my name's
4: Chloe. My name
3: is Erin. How do
4: I start this? My name is Hannah and I want to make an apology. I
3: want to make an apology. I
2: have an apology. In this episode, we're going to be examining the apology, taking a look at all the things we're sorry for and what it feels like to say them out loud. What are we trying to do when we say we're sorry? And what difference does hearing those words make to the person on the other end? In the first half of the show, we're going to be playing some of the messages you left. And what I find startling when I listen to these apologies is how honest they are. There's this unguarded sincerity to them that you don't always get to hear when someone says they're sorry. And we got so many more calls than we thought we would. They were so much more intense than we expected. It was like people had been looking for some place to apologize. In some cases the calls were about very specific, very distant shitty moments. The kind of thing that goes by fast that maybe doesn't feel like the world's biggest deal as it's happening and then over the years it festers. It swells. You'll be going about your business and you'll bump into that memory and ah. My name is Megan
3: and I want to apologize to Kasha Rubel because in the second grade um, in Mrs. Wolverton's second grade class, I told Kasha that I heard that somebody else thought that she was stupid. And... I don't think that I heard that and I don't know why I said that, but I was a stupid second grader and I told her that and I made her cry. And I just felt so sick about it that I never talked to Kasha Rubel ever again. And I just feel really terrible about it. And so, Kasha, if you're out there, I don't know what you're doing with your life, but I just want you to know that you are not stupid and I'm sorry. Hey, I just want to say
4: I'm sorry that I wrote you're a bitch on Robbie's dry erase board 11 years ago. Um, it really hurt my feelings when you retaliated by playing my tearful apology voicemail in front of all of our friends, but I'm sorry that I hurt you and I hope you're doing all right wherever you are.
5: Hey, Grandma.
4: I just wanted to apologize for You know, not coming to visit you and stay with you. When I had an internship by your house. And, you know, now that I can't see you in person anymore, I really regret those times that I just took for granted. And, you know, just thinking, like, you didn't have cable, you didn't have Wi-Fi. What was I going to do over there? But, man, I miss you, Grandma. I love you. I wish I could be there with you.
3: Hi, uh, this is Jenna. I was just calling to apologize to, um, my middle school crush in seventh grade. Uh, his name is Eric. Uh, Eric, I'm sorry for kicking you in the nuts when you asked to dance with me at the Christmas formal, and I thought it was out of pity, so I didn't, uh, I didn't want to degrade myself by accepting your pity. I don't know. Uh, sorry, Eric, again, for kicking you in the nuts. Okay, thanks. Uh,
2: bye. A lot of the apologies you sent us had to do with the messiness of relationships, all the ways we have of hurting the people that we care about, especially when sex and commitment are involved. Maybe you see how you could have done things better. Maybe you don't, but you still hate the way things turned out.
3: So, I'm really sorry, Kelsey. I I can never tell you this in real life. But I made out with your boyfriend. And it went a little further than that, but we didn't do anything. We, We didn't have sex or anything. And... In the time I was just, I was being so selfish and I was just like, well, he's obviously not happy with her. Like, this is fine. And now every time I see your name, I'm just like, oh God, what have I done? You are going to be absolutely destroyed if you ever find out about this. And I don't, like, you guys have been dating for like a year now, so I don't even know how long you guys are going to last because you guys talk about children, but also he did this and you don't allow him to like hug other women. He's so touch craved and, no, oh, I shouldn't say that to someone with an apology. What's wrong with me? You should never blame them. Oh, my God. Don't make out with your friends, boyfriends. Just don't but It doesn't feel good. It's not worth it. I'm really sorry. Um,
6: hi.
4: I want to make an apology to a guy I knew when I was 16. I, I'm 21 now. Um, when I was 16, I... Spent my teenage years running around this small quirky town with, with this guy and, and we dated for like all of like two weeks but like a few weeks after we had dated we had gone out on this little sort of trip around town and he sort of asked me um you know like what I thought of being gay like like as a concept he was trying to come out to me and um I said it was wrong and I think, like verbatim, I said it's wrong, I don't know why, but God says it's wrong, so it's wrong. And um, I want him to know that I was a dick, that I'm not religious now, um, that I I know that I'm bi now. Um, And I'm sorry, he was young, and impressionable and trying to do something that's very hard. And I only made it harder.
3: Hi, Mike. Uh, 13 years ago, I. I took our son from you. And didn't tell to give you any warning. And I'm so sorry.
4: God,
3: I can't even imagine (laughs) Okay. The thing is, I did the right thing. We all know it. There's been a lot of talk about that. And within it, there's been no room for me to say I'm sorry to you. (laughs) You know, on balance, it's all good. He's perfect. You're fine. I survived. But in this life, there is no balance. And I am sorry.
2: As we were listening through the voicemails, there were a handful like that last one that would stop us short. Those were the ones that seemed both necessary and futile, where the callers knew there was nothing left to do. If there'd been a chance to make things right, it was gone. They'd missed it.
3: Hey, Molly, this is Brandy in Idaho. I want to apologize to my sister Josie, who is also in Idaho. Um, I'm the big sister. I was supposed to be the one there to protect her, and I didn't as a child. I was supposed to be your mom, but I didn't want to do it. And I did a lousy job. I'm sorry I didn't go to your wedding. And I'm sorry I say the wrong things all the time. I'm sorry. And I love you. And I would do anything to do it over.
4: If I could apologize to anyone, it would be Nick. And Nick, I am so sorry
3: that... I didn't let you grieve and I made you feel like your grief was inappropriate. And I'm sorry that my messiness was so cold and callous. I shut you out and I'm sorry that I didn't take you somewhere like the ocean and let you cry and hold you. And I'm sorry. I just, I dropped the ball. And I hope that you hear this because I feel like I made a big mistake. And I love you.
6: Hi, Mom. I want to apologize for something I said. It's been maybe 15 years since this happened, and I've always regretted it. My friend and I, we were staying the night on our way to San Francisco and you had done something to the house, you'd redecorated and you had painted and you used this word to describe it and I didn't really know what that word meant. I sort of did, but I didn't. And instead I said to you, do you even know what that word means? And you paused and you said no I I don't and and I laughed and when my friend and I got out to the car she said you really embarrassed your mom and I realized I had and I felt really ashamed and I I never apologized to my mom for that and unfortunately my mother passed away in 2013 and I never was able to tell her I was sorry. And I know that there's a million things that we both were probably sorry for over the course of our lives. And it's
3: just, it's just too late. I want to apologize to my little sister, Katie. It's been 10 years. It's been 10 years since our family went through a horrible addiction with our middle sister. And instead of being there for Katie, I abandoned you. (laughs) I should have been there for you instead of leaving. You took the brunt of everything. You took the brunt of our parents meltdowns, day after day, searching for Devin. You had nobody there for you, and you were too young to handle this on your own. I don't know if it would make a difference at this point, but I feel like you would have been a much happier person and not so closed off if someone, anyone, would have helped you get through that. I'm so sorry I loved you. I was not a good sister. I love you so much. And remember, I'm always here for you. Better than I was in the past.
2: The apologies you sent us were so honest, which raises the question why aren't most apologies that good? Well, it's just that as soon as you're actually talking to another person, or people, or a whole public, there are a great many ways for things to go wrong. Instead of open hearted and vulnerable and sincere, apologies can easily turn petty and self serving. So, next we'll be looking at a different kind of apology.
1: Embracing nature is more than just going for a walk now and then. It's reconnecting with the elements. It's harnessing the power of natural ingredients. It's putting the earth first. For over 50 years, Nature's Sunshine has been sharing the healing power of nature as they work towards a healthier planet. Their manufacturing facility is 100% powered by sunlight, and they divert 95% of waste away from landfills. If you're looking for a sustainably made herbal supplement, That's NatureSunshine.com and use code NSP for 25% off your first order.
2: Welcome back to The Cut on Tuesday's 2019 Apology Extravaganza. Recently, I was talking about apologies with Heather Haverleski, who writes The Cut's advice column, Ask Polly. She was saying how a lot of times when people apologize, you could feel them trying to hustle along the whole forgiveness thing. They say sorry, and then they want things to go back to normal, ideally right away. As Heather put it, they're basically like, how much longer do I have to stay in this jail of shame? There have been many very public examples of this recently, but it's not a problem limited to famous men. I would argue that anyone who's ever had to apologize has hoped on some level that saying sorry would mean a speedy release from shame jail. And unfortunately for all of us, That's not how it works. When you do something bad, you're going to have to feel bad for a while before it goes away, if it goes away. But that hardly ever stops us from trying. Allison Davis, Stella Bugby, and I have been working together for five years now, which means we've all seen each other make plenty of mistakes and then have to figure out how to fix them. The three of us sat down the other day to talk about what we're up to when we say we're sorry. Here's Allison.
0: I generally, like, feel like I'm always sort of apologizing for myself. Uh, Like, in J school, I had to, like, go out and do man-on-the-street photos. And my partner was always sort of like, the way you hunt your shoulders or, like, approach people, it's like, you're already saying sorry for existing. And I was like, god damn, Armand, that is accurate. (laughs) Um, But when it, like, comes to real apologies, when I know I've done something wrong and need to apologize, I'm very bad at it. I wait too long Mm -hmm. and I, like, get caught up in how ashamed I am of, like, having wronged somebody that I just, like, drag it out longer than it needs to be. And then I come with a grand gesture or, like, a flood of emails Mm -hmm. or, like, a panic attack and then (laughs) it becomes, like, too high drama. Is
2: there an example that comes to mind of a recent time when you have pulled that stunt?
0: So I got a little tipsy and I ran into, um, like, an ex And instead of, like, playing it cool, I just started, like, yelling at him in the middle of this party. Yeah. And so he was very embarrassed and, like, stormed out. And I knew that I was in the wrong. And just, like, instead of the next day sending a message, I was like, I'm sorry. Clearly I was not ready to encounter you in a social setting. I just, like... Totally blocked it out. And then, <laughs> and then like, I guess maybe a month later, I felt really bad about it. So I, like, sent a bottle of alcohol to his office to be like, so sorry, drinks on me, smiley face. And I was like, why did I do that when he like, clearly would have just wanted, like, an I'm sorry for embarrassing you at this party.
2: Allison's apologies are probably more extravagant than mine, but both of us do this kind of thing. These are apologies that have become a nervous habit, or a social currency, or another way to talk about ourselves. Lately, I've been aware that this is what I'm doing when I make little bullshit apologies. I'm fishing for reassurance. I mean this kind of thing, as I explained to Stella. Oh, I'm sorry if that was awkward or like, oh. I'm sorry if it was weird, you know. And then you're just hoping that the person will be like, oh, no, of course
5: not. It was fine. (laughs) I feel like I tell you not to do that all the time. Really? Yeah. You come into my office. You're like, I'm sorry. Was that was what I just (laughs) did?" And I'm like, Molly, no, it was fine. It's fine. (laughs) Like, stop doing that.
0: When you think about when to apologize, it's like really like trying to quiet some level of like narcissism within yourself. Yeah. And I guess, like, that's really the difference between, like, a good apology and a bad apology, how much of your own narcissism is showing. <laughs> but I have to ask, with the, like, apologies that are fishing for a little reassurance, those are fine, right? Like, I don't have to stop doing that, do yeah. I? Yes. Also, it's
5: like, oh. You have to stop doing that. There's tremendous value in sitting with discomfort. It's fine to be insecure and feel uncomfortable and feel like you fucked something up or— people are angry with you, it's okay. It's like you can sit there the next morning and think about what you know to be true, (laughs) which is that you messed up in the conversation or you hurt someone's feelings. You don't necessarily need to make other people participate in your shame.
2: If it sounds like Stella's speaking from a place of hard-won wisdom here, that would be correct. She has, in fact, been on a lifelong odyssey of apology, which
5: she told us about, starting with the day when she first learned to say sorry. I dropped my father's light meter. He was um, a photographer. And I dropped his light meter and it shattered on the ground as we were getting out of the car. How old were you? Eight. Mm-hmm. I remember it, like <laughs> clear as day. It was New Year's Eve. And I ruined his thing. And I was like, it wasn't my fault. And He just looked at me and he said, just apologize. And then it will be fine. And I was like, I'm really sorry. And it was fine. And then I remember thinking, it's so easy to get people to forgive you. <laughs> <laughs> as long as if you just say, like, I'm sorry, it was my fault. I take responsibility for it. And so then as I, you know, grew up, I would practice, I put that into practice. And it was such a good mollifier. Like, somebody was pissed and and they were like, I'm mad at you. And you would just be like, you're right. I'm really sorry I did that thing. And they were completely disarmed and they had no idea what to do. And then you'd be like, <laughs> Like, you were going to be like, didn't see that one coming, did (laughs) you? Oh, yeah, well, I apologize (laughs) to you. I'm going to own you now. And so it was like a weird um, social experiment I would play on people. You just could reclaim control of the situation by owning up to it right away.
2: That trick worked for a long time. And then a couple of years ago. She found herself at the limits of what an apology could do. This happened thanks to the same man who'd taught her the trick in the first place, her dad.
5: I uh, wrote an article about my dad leading up into the 2016 election, and he never, never really spoke to me afterward.
2: The piece was called
5: Howard Stern, Donald Trump,
2: My Dad, Lessons in How Men Talk About Women. When Stella was a teenager, her dad had listened to a lot of Howard Stern, and he had listened to it around her. So she had listened along with him as Stern talked relentlessly about sex and women's bodies, and she had wondered what it meant. What was her dad trying to say to her? She wrote, Was Howard the one man who would really say what so many men were actually thinking? Was my dad, a man I loved, capable of seeing the world that way too? Donald Trump, a longtime Howard Stern guest, had brought all that back for her with his crude misogyny on the campaign trail. And Stella had talked about some of this with her dad. But she hadn't told him she was planning to write anything about it. So the first he knew about her article was when he read it himself. There they were, all his daughter's complicated feelings about him, in public for anyone to
5: read. What I didn't do was I didn't let him know it was coming. Mm -hmm. He basically told me he would never get over it. Like, it's just there. Would you want to apologize to him? I mean, I have apologized. Not even what I said in the article was particularly damaging, but the blindsiding was unforgivable. Yeah, like I have to live with that forever. And I can't even apologize my way out of it. It's really bad. Yeah. We didn't speak for like two years. And now we're on speaking terms. And I hope that we can get over it, but I don't know that it will be through an apology. It'll just be through time. About a year ago, was like, oh... He could die like we will never have worked it out. There's, there could be no resolution to this, which was a weird, very grown-up feeling. But just there are certain things that don't ever get apologized for, don't get resolved. And then that's the hat. You hit a certain level
2: of adulthood and things change. An apology isn't just a quick fix anymore. In Stella's case, she saw that with her dad, but she also saw it at work. She'd become the boss. And once you're the boss, no one's all that impressed when you take responsibility for your actions. They'd rather you just didn't mess up in the first place.
5: I woke up one morning after behaving badly at work with someone and said to myself, like, I have to go apologize to that person. But also, I never want to apologize again. (laughs) Like when i have to apologize for something it's because i was out of control yeah. about yeah. it and um i don't ever want to feel that way at work ever again yeah. and that means having to monitor yourself in the moment like i'm much much more proactively like don't do something that you're going to have to apologize <laughs> for <laughs> yeah i'm more i live in more fear of having to apologize because i i feel like when you have to apologize When you're like the boss or something, it's really bad. Like you've done something really bad and the the stakes are just like too high when you're old.
2: I think she's right. You get older and either the stakes are too high or you know your own tricks too well for them to work anymore. You realize that if you want your apologies to mean anything, you have to make them carefully. In that spirit, as 2019 begins... I will no longer be starting all my emails with so sorry for the slow reply, which is always just a guilty lie. And mom, if you're listening, which I'm pretty sure you are, I'm sorry I was such a miserable brat when I was at home over the break. Sometimes I am bad at being loving, but I love you. That's it for this week's show. We'll see you next Tuesday. Tuesdays is produced by Sarah McBee, Olivia Natt, and Peter Bresnan. Our senior producer is Kimi Regler. We're edited by Stella Bugby, Nazanin Rafsanjani, and Alex Bloomberg, who once identified as a rollerblader. Music and mixing are by Haley Shaw. Our theme song is Play It Right by Amelia Meath, Nick Sanborn, Molly Sarlay, and Alexandra Souser-Monig. Special thanks to Heather Havrileski and June Diane Raphael. The Cut on Tuesdays is a production of Gimlet Media and The Cut.
1: Not to mention Power Meal, which delivers plant-based calories from Whole Foods to help keep you both energized and feeling satisfied throughout the day. This Earth Month, you can enjoy 25% off your first order with code NSP. Just go to naturesunshine.com. That's naturesunshine.com and use code NSP for 25% off your first order.
2: Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do.